Mortgage pros, welcome to the Stronger Together podcast. Thanks for joining. Excited about today's guests. We have Mr. Atrion Fayola and Mr. Jason Makunda from North Northport Funding. Now, did I butcher the names? No, it's all good. Love no, they're good. You okay. did a good job. A lot of vowels in those names, so totally. I'm good. But welcome. Welcome to Detroit, guys. Thanks for having us. Good. You're coming right across the pond from, from Minnesota, right? Yes, yeah. that's correct. Okay. You betcha. Good. Well, I'm excited because you guys um, are pros. You've been in the mortgage industry for 15, 17 years, but in the banking side as bankers, and um, not tellers, but mortgage bankers. And you've recently, just in the last few months, um, hopped over to the broker side. And so this podcast will focus a lot on how you're building that business, the transition that you made, because it's exciting and you guys are doing a good job right off the rip. But before we get into that, uh, why don't you guys walk us through in 90 seconds, kind of your path, how you got into the industry, and then where we're at today. So maybe Jason, kick us off. Uh, I got into the mortgage industry right out of college. Um, graduated in, in uh, 2000, right around the stock market crashed and uh, thought I was going to be a stockbroker. And, and there wasn't a lot of roads uh, to be had at that time in that and kind of dug further into industries I wanted to be in, in, that, in housing and, and real estate was something I was always interested in. Yeah. Um, financial education, I didn't grow up with a lot of that. And it was, uh, you know, something I always wanted to explore. So I figured I'd get into the business and I started out as a, you know, an assistant, you know, a mortgage loan associate for nine months at an in-house real estate office. What um, year was that? 2001. Okay. Um, went on to be a junior loan officer, you know, under a great producer for another year and a half to kind of get my feet wet. Then went on on my own to, um, you know, be on my own. And, and between, you know, two of the biggest banks around was kind of always in the bank locations and the private wealth uh, bank type of scenarios and built a great business within that. Well, you know, over time, you know, obviously developing my own book and, you know, pushing me to not need that support to the bank as much. And, open my eyes to kind of what's next out there for someone who's, you know, able to self-source, independent, knows underwriting, knows, you know, how to do the business well, yep. yet, you know, wanting to have something of your own. That's great. So right out of college, got in the trenches, mm -hmm. was an assistant to a loan officer, and then for 15, 16 years, it was, you know, Wells Fargo, Bank of America yep. as a mortgage banker. Yep. All right. Love it. And then me. And uh, then you. Very different beginnings for Jason and I. Yeah. Uh, I started in the mortgage industry in 2003. Late 2003, I started as a telemarketer doing 300 calls a night. Wow. And, you know, from there, um, I ran the telemarketing room. Then I was a loan officer and doing the telemarketing room. And this is back, like, post-crisis. I think that that was the time when... I remember that specifically as a broker, you know, the loans funded that week and then you'd get a fax on Friday, you know, that that lender is no longer funding any more loans. And that was kind of like a writing on the wall. Via but fax. Via fax. Oh, yeah. I, you know, and I, I remember it was like the first conforming loan I did. This couple it was going from like 13% to 6 and it was a 30-year fixed. And the what title company called, it was like 459 They were like, we don't have the wire. And then the wire came through and then the facts came through. And I was like, I knew that there's something probably wrong with the mortgage business at this point in time. <laughs> but, um, you know, from that point on, <clears throat> I stayed in the mortgage industry. I was with some correspondents for a little while. And then uh, I met Jason actually in 2007. And um, we kind of stayed close. I, I brought him some deals that we couldn't do on the broker side. Got into banking, 
started at B of A, which was then countrywide. Yep. And then since then, we've basically known each other uh, throughout that time and really just honed in on self-sourced business and made the leap into the broker space mainly because the, you know, the brainwashing of the banking world is insane. You know, they made it really seem like brokers were the enemy. Yeah. So now that we're back we're on the side. not even the enemy, just that the line of business is dead. They, right. You know, you have no control over funding and you don't have the rates and you have to disclose comp and all these kind of things that, you know, kind of intimidate you to want you to just stay at the bank and stay comfortable versus, you know, exploring what's really out there. And we've been pleasantly surprised at, you know, just how robust the, you know, the, the broker wholesale market is from yeah. a rate standpoint, product. I mean, there's not much, we're you know, of anything we're losing on directly in that. And that, you know, now just with the technology, you know, with obviously you guys being a leader, um, making it easy for us to work with, having, you know, the efficiencies to the customer that look like we are, a you know, a much bigger outfit than we are even. Yeah, that's so great. That's been great. So you guys, you know, kind of your motto is simple, transparent, and fast. So expand on that a little bit for me. Why those three words? Well, simple from, you know, something I guess I've always at least, you know, taken pride in and know I'm good at is essentially, you know, explaining the housing or finance, uh, you know, what's a complex situation to a lot of people in a simple, you know, straightforward way that they can understand. Yeah. Um, obviously, a lot of that comes from experience and just, you know, self-awareness to know like what that person needs to hear or, you know, where their level of financial knowledge is and, you know, tell them what they really need to hear yeah. um, and getting them down the, the path to, to getting into housing or saving money. Um, I think that's important. A lot of times when you hear or see um, someone trying to sell a loan, uh, human nature, you think by using big words and acronyms and showcasing your knowledge, it's going to impress that homeowner. I will tell you, it'll paralyze that homeowner from a decision-making process. Mm -hmm. The beauty of a great mortgage broker or mortgage salesperson is taking all that insanely complicated stuff and simplifying it into digestible and telling the client, the homeowner, what they need to know, not how the how the damn watch is made. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So that's great. It's a great point. Simplicity is genius. It's one of our isms here. Yeah. Simplicity is genius. And then, like with the transparency piece, goes with simple. I think you know curating your customer experience is directing them to know that knowledge. So, as old school as this sounds, I still write out every single quote to borrowers. You know, principal yeah. amount, interest rate payment, total PITI, estimated closing cost. I mean, break it all down and then give them the process and tell them end to end and then move on from there. And I think, you know, that simple process has made it much easier to get more. Oh, yeah. yeah. And giving them the transparency of, you know, again, showing them the roadmap of here's what you need to do to accomplish what we need to do yep. as far as getting you approved and getting your loan funded. Um, you know, a big piece on the transparency part, too, is what I know a lot of brokers and especially bankers have shied away from is the comp, the whole comp situation of how, you know, how it's disclosed or it's not disclosed or if it's borrower paid or if it's lender paid. Um, you know, obviously being new to this side of the business, having to get my head around, all right, how does, how does that position and how, when do you do certain things and yeah. how do you explain this to the customer? And, you know, what I've found is I've, I'm, I'm not shy that it shows our numbers of what we make. And granted, we're not taking the most comp in the industry. We're more middle of the road, you know, trying to do more transactions, but you know, if I'm giving a better, you know, equal or better deal financially and I give better service, then they're going to get somewhere else. Everyone's been thrilled that I'm making a yeah. good living doing it. Can you do, because I, I want to pause there. I think it's so important. I talk to brokers a lot. And um, a lot of the times where we recommend folks, hey, if, if you're going to lose a deal or to be more competitive in certain situations, flip it up front to borrower paid. Mm -hmm. And then the, the response I get a lot is like, well, I can't do that. 
I don't want them to see what I'm making. I don't want to have to have that conversation. Essentially, I'd rather lose the deal, which is crazy to me. How do you explain that when you are disclosing compensation to a borrower? How is, what's the best way? So, you know, when we started in the brokerage side, I think him and I had the hardest time wrapping our heads around it. And learning that the borrower paid compensation is a tool to get a lower rate to the borrower. So, you know, learning that you're sacrificing making a less comp in order to give them a better deal, you can't, you know, you can't take the yield spread premium or any premium from the rate to cover that compensation. But you got to remember but you can this, the remaining yeah, fees of that, but you can Correct. cover the remaining fees. And then the mental mindset you need to have is you're still selling a rate that's probably a half better than any bank. And they're still charging a thousand bucks to eleven hundred dollars to get that loan. Yep. So and what what's what matter to the customer? In the fee column, does it come down to if it's three thousand dollars and you know competing against four thousand? I've no, you know I have no issue. My customers have had no issue whether it went to me or whether it went to the mortgage registration tax or the appraisal or whatever. At the end of the day, the money's the money. The money's the money. Yep. It's like a cheeseburger. Mm-hmm. If it's a dollar here or a dollar there, who cares if the cheese is eighty cents one place or twenty cents the other? It's a dollar. It's a dollar. Yep. It's a dollar. So it's good. So we got simplicity. It's genius. Yeah. It's important. Transparency. Part of that is 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 how, how you I discuss think the, ro- the roadmap and the comp. Yep, are the two major pieces that we're not shying away from, and we know the customers want to know. It's great. And then lastly, fast. Everyone loves fast. I mean, everyone loves fast, and obviously, technology is the you know the blessing for all of us in this, and and we're just doing our best to embrace all the possible technologies you know that we can find to streamline our process again. To you know, we're a three person shop, and and don't plan to be bigger than a ten person shop ever. Um, maybe not ever, but you know, for the foreseeable next half a decade, that's, yeah. you know, that's the plan. And so, you know, being able to harness all the technologies from third party vendors, from lenders we work with to essentially, you know, make us be able to be competitive with the big boys in the real world, especially, you know, how customers want to deal with stuff now, yep. online, fast, not in person. It's not, it's how it used to be. But same caution that with that is you can't let speed be your customer service. Like you still have to deliver yep. to your customer. You still have to stay involved. Like. Because loans close fast, it does give the misperception that customers are having a great experience. And you know, I, I challenge that if you're not staying in touch with that customer, even though it's fast, they probably didn't have a great experience. Just close fast. Got to have both. Right. Got to have both. Sometimes you go to McDonald's. That's, that's fast. It's not sometimes it's not the greatest experience. It's not the warmest experience. It's not the best burger sometimes, <laughs> too. <laughs> Maybe all the time. All right. So Northport funding. We're like three months into this thing. Let's talk about building. That's what I'm excited about, building. You guys set out to build this. What was your strategy when putting this thing together, building your strategy out specifically? Well, I guess, you know, as I mentioned before, the, the main thing is that you're going to get two of the most experienced bankers in our market, between yep. Atrian and I, of, you know, amount of business we've done, different situations we've handled, you know, high net worth to first-time home buyers, tax returns and everything in between. Everything. And, you know, we've had other models. I've been a manager, as is Atrion. I've had juniors. I've had all these, you know, different scenarios where essentially you're building a funnel, you know, like any business where you want to be at the top and take an override. But what's got, you know, what's diluted in that is, again, just that that grade-A expert opinion that both of, I can, both of us can provide. And being that it's our own company, not wanting the risk of even having, you know, Timmy, the new guy, go out and mess a deal up, and now I have to clean it up. Yeah. Um, I, I just think that, again, with the the speed and technology of how and how fast loans are closing, and um, there's not that much else to do than to have the actual conversation with the customer every time. 
Um, so that's been a, a major pillar of, of the business. Um, obviously, both of us have our good, you know, referral business from people we've worked with over time and past customers and so on. Um, but really, the main other avenue is, is just to, trying to build out a direct to consumer um, side of it, where um, obviously just utilizing technology, internet, yep. video. You know, we've, we're new to this from being at the bank. We never got to be social media experts or have a lot of you know content out there. So. A lot of it is just building that out and trying to get rid of Googling Jason McCunda Mortgage and finding my old employers, yep. eight out of the 10 top hits. So a lot of it just right now is, is trying to you know, begin to graffiti the internet in a relevant and classy and not too salesy way. I like it. So heavy, heavy touch from you two. Mm-hmm. So the experience from tip to tail, start to finish that that client has is with you two. It's not about funneling them to somebody else and, and filling the funnel. It's you are the experience. You are the company. And a little bit longer term is, okay, we have some referral networks, we have some past client base, but um, moving forward into 2021, it's building out a D2C model. Yeah. Right? You know, and as I've said it before, and we, we talk a lot, I'm, I'm 41, uh, I, got, I got two little ones. Um, I just don't have time or interest to go to happy hour and go to do some of these things that I built my career on doing yeah. to drum up business, meet new people, uh, to be able to obviously refer back out to my partners and, you know, continue a good business. And, um, well, easy. Th- you still go to event here or there. Right? <laughs> Let's not humor us a little bit. Once, a, mo- a, once a month, not, happy you know, hour or two not four to five times a week as it took in your twenties <laughs> and thirties to build a good mortgage banking business. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. I mean, the, the big thing was, so, so Jay and I started, he started on this journey before I did. Yeah. Um, intermediary between this last year, I went and worked at a lot of, another large retailer thinking, all right, just go back into the same model. And I mean, how was I wrong? How wrong was I? No, excuse me. When I went there, it was like brainwashed. Like you couldn't have a Zillow. I couldn't have my name on a realtor's website. I couldn't send an email without APR in it. Otherwise it was screened. And it was, you know, I was reprimanded. So the writing was on the wall to exit that industry. There had to be a better way to do a mortgage. We hadn't really explored the broker industry other than surface value, like surfing the web. How do you start a brokerage? What does it, what does it take, et cetera, et cetera. And then he made the leap. He's just like, you know what? I'm doing it. And he jumped right in. And I just thought it wasn't going to, my only goal really was I just didn't want to work for the, a bank anymore, yeah. a big bank. I want to stay in the industry, but again, find the way that I could build, you know, out my own connections to again, build something different. And, and at one point I didn't know if I want, even wanted to stay in the industry. I just knew I didn't want to work in the culture of truly what goes on at the big banks and how they treat their customers, their employees, the culture. Um, but I was realized I love this business and now, you know, just like I say, just jump to the other side and I'll never forget the day, you know, a couple months into kind of, you know, just Googling things every day, all day, trying to figure out how to do this and the roadmap of how do you start a company? How do you start a mortgage company? What's the compliance? What's the legal? And um, I remember Atran called me one day and asked him what's going on. And I explained him and he called me back about a half an hour later. He's like, I, got, I can't do this what I'm doing. He's like, I don't know how it's going to be if we're going to be partners or if I can just be employee number one, like you tell me when, essentially when you get this thing licensed up and I'm going to be there. So you're figuring it out quick, man. You're oh, doing was, a good I job. I was ready to go. There was no... There was no chance. Yeah. The, the mentality of a bank, so let's talk about sp- speed real yeah. quick and how important these things are to the consumer and growing your business. So, you know, we're three months in, our ramp up time has been phenomenal. Like, you know, loans day one, continued growth from day one to today, but speed. So 
you know, at the banking side, I, you know, I, I joined the big bank and I pump in a bunch of deals and their mentality is set it and forget it. Yeah. Right. Like lock the loan and then you send it in and then maybe sometime over the next 180 days, we'll get it closed. Jeez. So we're, we're closing those in, in 10 days, oh yeah. 14 days. I mean, we haven't even started telling them like the few deals that have closed that fast, the people have just been baffled. The realtors yeah, was, saying, can I, can we market this somehow? How can we? You know, not only that, too, they, they say to us, like, how much did you make on the loan? And we tell them that, you know, hey, we made, you know, sixty two fifty or whatever it was. One customer said to me, I would have paid you more. That's great. And that means a lot, right? Yep. To hear that speed, transparency, you know, and making it simple for people has true value to customers. Yeah, right? I mean, your loans with us are going folder to clear to close and on average in like 11 days. Yeah, flying it's, through. it's amazing. It's literally it's awesome. amazing. Not Jesus. 111, 11. No, and again, yeah, the experience for the customer obviously is number one, much better, you know, and obviously for the for the loan officer. Yeah. I mean, less time for documents to expire, for the experience to go stale, for them to get shopped on rates, for rates to move, for all the reasons that, you know, we're not getting down to the end of the path that we set out on. It, it eliminates so much of that, having that ability. It's great. So you mentioned your goal isn't to grow large from a headcount standpoint. Um, how is your how is your company structured, and what do, how do you view it being structured down the road? There's a lot of people listening to this podcast are kind of building their company and figuring out: is it a heavy yellow model? Is it a heavy processor model? Walk us through your structure. You know, our structure obviously, actually, and I being partners with the you know the head of the house, and, and really we have uh, Mike in our office, Mike Donovan, who is you know employee number one from a processing business management standpoint. Yeah, um, we did decide to hire Green. Um, not from more mortgage industry on purpose. From um, a processor standpoint. From a processor Brand standpoint. New. Teach them, um, you know, mold them in our way, and obviously get the knowledge along the way. Um, the goal is over time to have eight more mics or Sues or, you know, whoever in different processing roles, silos. Um, some that will hand us, handle some customer stuff, some that just do social media stuff, some hopefully, you know, just pays bills yeah. and, you know, kind of runs the business. But, um, you know. Yeah, I think what he's getting at, though, is, no more headcount of LOs. You know, we've managed LOs. We've done that business. Um, would there be some at some point down the line? Maybe. But an extremely experienced old banker who just wants to ride out the last five to ten years of their career under our Absolutely. Hat, we take that. The green okay. LO that's that. going to require, you know, a ton of work and energy at this point, probably not the good fit for us. That's not to say it might not be for others, right? Yeah. There's value in various business models, and I'd say that's probably one of the most beautiful things about the mortgage brokerage business is you can set up any model you want. Yep. As long as you follow through on it, it's going to work, right? The word, because these podcasts are a great example of that. I interviewed a, a, a couple folks last week, and it was the complete opposite. They didn't want anyone with mortgage experience. They wanted completely green so they could teach them their process, their they have a very specific sales funnel, and it was great. I think that's, the, to your point, it's the most beautiful thing about being in this industry is you can create all these different models. The most important piece, though, is that you're deliberate. That word, you're deliberate. Like, you, who are you? What are you building? And it has to be so damn deliberate versus wishy-washy. So they were deliberate. You guys are deliberate. It's being a beautiful thing, a deliberate strategy. Love it. You know, Deliberate is social media, though, too. We talk about that a lot. Yeah. You know, social is like probably, you know, he said graffiti the internet. You know, I I don't think you can spend enough time on that space, and we certainly don't, and we do need to spend more. But I think one of the things 
you know, to help anybody's business grow is they need to focus on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, et cetera, sharing their story, sharing their progress. And we could be better yep. at that for sure. Yeah. One thing that I've been saying is when you're sick of posting, like you're like, oh my gosh, I am posting and posting and posting. When you're sick of it, that's when people are just starting to see it. Or when you're sick of saying something, that's when people are just starting to hear it. Like, you got to get it out there. There's not, there's not enough. It's great. So, what are you guys doing when you don't do mortgages as a human being? I know you're building a business, but what yeah, do you this do? is uh, Northport was my third child uh, in the last five years. I had two <laughs> other beautiful little girls that you know, and a great wife. That, that that's really my main focus in any spare time is hanging out with them, traveling. Being a good parent. It's been a busy five years then. Eh? Yeah, it has been. a lot done. Yeah, it has been. You know, and outside of that, I probably played, you know, 300 rounds of golf over that five years. So, you know, there's my other balance. There we go. Yeah. A little bit of golf. Mm-hmm. Atrion. You know, so I have one little one, a uh, little boy, and my wife, um, you know, he doesn't give his wife enough credit. We both have rock star wives. Yeah. Couldn't have done this without them. Couldn't have done both this without them. Both have great jobs with health insurance, with a lot of things that deter someone from going self-employed. Um, an admitted uh, benefit that we both had beyond, you know, saving and, you know, having a, a good past career, the wives were the key to this deal. 100%. So got to gotta give my wife a shout out because without her, definitely wouldn't be. From support and health yeah. insurance. Man, support, guys, health insurance. You guys are pouring yeah. on. Helping out, it. you know, we'll I mean. Send this to them. Yeah. <laughs> grinding it out in the office till 7, 30, 10 o'clock some days, just yeah. trying to make sure we're going, taking care of the kids, doing it's whatever key. that is. But, um, you know, for me outside the office is obviously my family and stuff. Big time junkie on the action sports. So, you know, I'll go jump out of a helicopter and go skiing or I like surfing behind the boat. This guy plays golf like it's going out of style. Like neck, like tomorrow they might shut down the golf course. So he's playing <laughs> enough rounds to get it in. So in Minnesota. Oh, yeah. You're golfing a lot up there. We have more golf courses and golfers per capita than really? any state in the United States. Incredible. With the shortest season. Well, what's, the, what's the golf course that's like the big deal in town? Spring Hill. There's a lot of them. And you've seen them all. <laughs> We've seen them all. It's great. What um what do you guys, you know, I know you're 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 just building your business. We're two, three months in. I'm sure you're thinking about twenty and, and twenty one, but um, long, long term. What are you doing today to prepare for like two thousand twenty five, two thousand thirty? What's on your mind? How are you getting that far out? I think the biggest thing is what you mentioned, the direct consumer side of the business and yeah. harnessing the internet. And back to what you just mentioned of, of sticking with it, having a long-term plan, knowing that over time, this, you know, that that will work and, and not just to say it's social or, you know, the internet. I mean, just the, the, the ways of communication of our era, you know, we're just, again, in a super lucky time with the internet that things, you know, are inherently cheap. You yeah. know, you don't have to buy a billboard or a TV commercial to get your word out about your business. Um, but that's really, the, I guess, the main focus is to have that be a major silo of a business that, that we can rely on and more so, you know, find new clients, like we said, and refer back out to our partners. It's great. And then no more comfort. Like, I think we got to stay disruptive at all times. That's the one thing. Gas on, the, gas on every day. Comfort, I wrote this down from you. You yeah. quoted this earlier. Comfort is the enemy of success. Yeah, 100%. So now that you guys are entrepreneurs, right? You've worked for banks most of your career. Um, you're entrepreneurs, right? And you got to be self-motivated now. You got to be internally motivated. Uh, what do you guys do to stay motivated? Are you book guys? Are you podcast guys? Anything you could refer to the listeners? 
I mean, I get up every day at 4.30 and go to the gym and meet the same guys every day. So I use that as my, like, motivation to get up every day because yep. if I don't go, they're going to call me a loser, right? And so... <laughs> It's accountability. Um, man. It's accountability, buddy, and yeah. you know, unofficial. So it's not like you know a coach or anything like that. These are just the guys that are keeping you accountable to that. I, you know, routine. Being a creature of habit, you know, he, he has a habit. He gets up. He has the same routine every day. He's running at the same time. Same for me. Um, you know, I think it gets really easy to change up your routine every single day, and I found that consistency seems to make things a lot easier. If you do the same thing pretty consistently throughout the week, it's great. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of motivation just in the happiness every day of knowing that what's going on aren't issues. It's it's things for our company for forever, and it's not just a, a, a someone else's issue at, at the company where you pass it on. So having that, you know, just passion to be happy that that all the news and all the phone calls and everything is good news or something you're learning along the way. Um, is, is for me a big motivator. I think having a partner too was a, a big thing up front, um, both in my own soul searching on this and talking with my wife and talking with advisors and friends of, you know, everyone wants to think they can do a company on their own and yep. be that entrepreneur and do it all and, and be that, you know, but there's a, you know, know the exact old saying, but you know, together you're gonna go, you know, much further than you probably would alone. And, and having a partner that you can plan each other's strengths and weaknesses, you know, hold each other accountable, motivate each other, um, I think is a big key too. Yeah. I've learned a life lesson. So I got one of those Pelotons, right? I'm like, I got to get in shape. My wife's like, dude, you got to start working out. So I bought a Peloton. And I will tell you, I have not worked out as much as I have over the last two months. If I add up how much I've worked out in the last two months, it's more than the last five years combined. But here's why. Peloton does something that's incredible that – I'm like, you have to do this in business. There's a lot of things it does well. That thing's like a marketing miracle. But first thing it does is gives you visibility. Like you know every second you're on that thing, where you rank against everyone that's riding it, where your heart rate's at, where you should be compared to where you're actually at from a rotation. And a, but the second thing it does is I have other friends that have a Peloton and it's accountability. Like, oh, literally go into their calendar, look at the last time they rode, then you follow them and alerts when they rode. You can open it up, you can see uh, what what rank they followed, and now it's that, so we don't see each other every morning like you do, but every morning it's like, you haven't rode in a day. Hey, dude, that ride last night was pathetic. I doubled you up. And so um, then I think about business. It's like, if you don't have visibility all the time, and then somewhat, and then sharing the visibility with other people you care about so they can hold you accountable. Again, I've worked out more in the last two months because of that than I have my own, basically my whole professional life. It's just simply based off visibility and based off accountability. So how do you create that in your work environment? Got to get it out there and you got to have other people seeing it and uh, holding you accountable. Peloton. Peloton. <laughs> you know what's funny is, so he has a Peloton. Oh, geez. I had a Peloton. I got rid of my Peloton. <laughs> I did not enjoy it as much as you did, but I'm glad you enjoy it. Um, but we laugh about it because, you know, that's the same mentality everybody has when they buy a Peloton, Peloton yeah. which obviously means their marketing's pretty good. It's good. And their system's good because, like you said, it does everything you need to stay accountable and to keep motivated. Yeah. And to have fun with it. Unless but, you're Atrian. Yeah. Then you're, <laughs> you're so. I don't know. I don't know. There, there's like something inside of me that just really wants to prove everything wrong. You know, I, 
we talked about this, you know, before we started this podcast, but my old boss, you know, he's like, you know, brokers are dying. The business is going away. Yeah. You know, they, they can't spend a basis point at the grocery store. And I thought that that was such a funny line because. You can't spend a basis point at a grocery store. That was his line when he was recruiting brokers. And yeah. I, I didn't really understand it. And, you know, I still don't really understand it. He's like, you know, and I'm like, Rob, that doesn't make sense. But, um. <laughs> You know, there's because there's more comp. So the perception is, you know, you go to a bank, you make less comp. That was his pitch to bring people into the bank. Now right. that I'm on this side, I can officially tell you I will never go back to a bank. I would rather leave the mortgage industry than go back to a bank. 100%. That's great. Well, you guys are crushing it, and we appreciate the partnership. Appreciate you coming to Detroit. Hopefully, I know you got a little tour. You see StockX? Yeah, Were you able to see StockX? StockX. This is You're a, a sneaker guy. Absolutely. You know, I've always, you know, heard what the rest of the outside of uh, Detroit hears is that, you know, the, the bad things. And I've been thoroughly impressed the two times I've been here with just how awesome the city is. People are happy. The revitalization, it's, it's cool. It's good. Yeah, it's awesome. So we appreciate you guys coming out. Thank yeah, you. Thank you. Keep crushing it. And everyone listening, thanks for uh, listening to the Stronger Together podcast. We appreciate you. Have an awesome day.